My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Can you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Praise God. God is doing something special here. It is such a privilege to be back. Had a wonderful time in the first service. Uh, what an incredible hunger and thirst that I feel here in Pensacola. And uh, y'all just don't play around here, praise God. Amen. Y'all just don't stop going after God. And uh, no matter what the surroundings are like, there's just incredible expectation. Appreciate so much your leadership and their example uh, to my wife and family. And uh, we're just so thankful to get the opportunity uh, to spend time here. Give honor to my beautiful wife, Louisa, and my son, James Asher. Uh, love uh, being able to travel with them. And uh, y'all pray for us. James Asher, he's been on well over 350 flights. He's platinum pro status. And uh, gets on the airplane, asks for a ginger ale, puts his pinky up in the sky, sips slowly. Pray for us, y'all. He's spoiled. Amen. We, we are. Thank y'all for the hospitality, the gift basket. I just thank y'all for the good snacks. I just believe there's something biblical about good food. Amen. And uh, we're just blessed. Amen. Why don't we open up our Bibles to the book of Haggai? I'm going to go a different route for the second service. And um, um, wonderful musicians and singers, thank you to the media team. And um, just excited to get into this and uh, looking forward to fellowship. And let's see what the Lord would have for us. Amen. Haggai chapter 1. And verse 2. Hey, guys, chapter 1 and verse 2. If you have it, say amen. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O you, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and ye bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but you're not filled with drink. Ye clothe you. But there is none warm, and he that earns wages earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Last scripture, verse 9. 
Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. The answer is in the house. The answer is in the house. Why don't you lay your Bibles down? Everyone close your eyes, lift up your hands. Let's ask the Lord to speak. God, I thank you for these wonderful people here. I thank you for the hunger that is here. We thank you for what you've already been doing. I thank you for the heritage, the foundation that is laid uh, in this church, God. Bless these wonderful people. Let there be a connection in the Holy Ghost. Uh, do what only you can do. Open the door that no man can shut, God. Let the word of God be milk. Let it be meat. Let it be water. Let it be a hammer that breaketh the rocks. Let your word be like a fire. Let it be what we need today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? Amen. Come on, can you clap those hands a little bit louder? Come on, the Bible says clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. Hey, guy. The prophet is prophesying during a period of very much discouragement. Several years prior, King Cyrus sent, gave a decree for the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and began to build the Lord's house, which was destroyed. They went with zeal, they went with passion, they went with expectation, and for two years they began to build the Lord's house. And they got the foundation laid, but as soon as they got the foundation laid, opposition showed up to stop them from building. As soon as they got the foundation laid, the enemy, they, these uh, different people, these Samaritans, they rose up against the people of God to stop them from building the Lord's house. Isn't it funny? Anytime you make a commitment to do something from, for God, the enemy always shows up to resist you. Am I the only one? Every time you try to do right, the enemy comes and tries to bring you back to what you used to be. Every time you make a fresh commitment, come on somebody, you leave church and the enemy comes to challenge that commitment. As soon as you get to the car, you already met with a challenge. As soon as you get home, somebody already called you. You just made a commitment to forgive. Then somebody call you with some crazy mess when you get back home. Come on somebody. The enemy always shows up right after a fresh commitment after you build a foundation and say God I'm gonna do some things differently Amen. He shows up, right, when we're trying to do right. All of a sudden, family that never cared about you, all of a sudden they asking what you're what you doing going to that church. 
Come on, somebody. Uh, they'd rather you be on drugs than be in church. They'd rather you be, come on, depressed than be in church. Come on, somebody. They'd rather you be addicted to alcohol than be in church. Why? Because the enemy always shows up when you're building a foundation because it's not fighting you over the foundation. It sees the temple that's coming out. It sees the final result, and it's trying to discourage you before you walk in a dimension of blessing that you've never walked in before. It's trying to discourage you because it sees where you're going to be 10 years from now. It sees the favor that's coming. It sees the revival that's coming. It sees the anointing that's coming. So it tries to discourage. Amen. It tries to discourage in the infant stages of building something. That's why King Herod sent all of his troops to go destroy every child ages two and younger uh, because he was afraid of what that child would become. He was trying to get to Jesus. Jesus had never opened up a blinded eye yet, hadn't unstopped the deaf ear yet, but at two years old, it's got the, the devil's attention and the devil's trying trying to destroy him in infancy and every time we start trying to walk with God crawl with God the enemy sends out all types of troops to try to discourage us, fights us with anxiety, fights us with fear but we need to understand when the enemy's coming that way it means he knows there's a potential in my life, it means there's a future that's greater than my past it means what's ahead of me is greater than what is behind me what is before me is greater. Two years, they're building this, this temple. They get the foundation laid. But when opposition arises, all of a sudden, huh, they get discouraged. Come on, Holy Ghost. Huh? They got discouraged. They got fearful because now huh, the enemy was watching their every move. So they were afraid to invest themselves fully in the Lord's house. And for 16 years, huh, they didn't touch the Lord's house again. Huh? For 16 years, they allowed that house huh, that foundation to grow over with vines and weeds huh? because they were discouraged and when you get discouraged huh? you lose that tenacity huh? to begin to give yourself to the Lord's house huh? as you used to and for 16 years huh? they were just focused on themselves trying to survive economically huh? trying to survive in their own business huh? trying to make it through the day huh? trying to do the best that they could they were focused on their individuality more than they were focused on the Lord's house and the enemy didn't have a problem with them making money as long as they didn't invest themselves in the Lord's house because the enemy knew if they started investing themselves again into the house of the Lord there was going to be an abundance of blessing that the enemy cannot stop amen Amen. They were discouraged. And when you get discouraged, you get into self-preservation mode. Who am I preaching to right now? Just trying to take care of what you need to take care to get through. Come on, somebody. Just trying to make enough money to get through. Just trying to do what you can to get through. Hustle a little bit. Make a few extra dollars because you're discouraged. Because you're not able to give yourself to the Lord's house the way you used to. And for 16 years, nothing was happening. The house of God was being laid waste. And if they were 
wanted to try to start construction again. Uh, they had to go through a government official to get permission. I feel like preaching right now. Uh, Totnai the governor. Uh, they had to get permission from Totnai the governor uh, if they were going to be able to go back uh, and begin to work on the Lord's house. Uh, but the enemy will do whatever he can uh, to stop you from investing everything you are uh, into the house of God. Uh, and Haggai, a prophetic voice begins to raise up uh, in the middle of the apathy because people begin to start coming to their own conclusions. Well, uh, we don't really need the Lord's house like that. Uh, we're making it. God's taking care of us. Uh, we're, we're okay. We're healthy. Uh, but the prophet speaks up and says, you keep saying uh, that the time has not come that the Lord's house uh, should be built. And then he says this, uh, is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses? He said, y'all living good. Come on, you got your air condition. Huh? You've been at Home Depot more the last six months than you've ever been. Come on, somebody. Been doing all types of home projects. Huh? He said, you're doing good with your sealed house. Huh? He said, but the house of God huh, has been laid waste. Come on, Holy Ghost. Huh? But he said, if you're ready to walk in a dimension of blessing that you never walked in before, it's time to get back and refocus all of your attention back in the Lord. Hey Amen. They're in good air conditions, and I don't think it's time for the for the Lord's house to be to be built. They got the good beds. Come on, they they got the fresh renovations in the home. Come on, somebody got the new ceiling tiles. Replace the ceiling. Replace the floors. Come on, Holy Ghost. Who am I preaching to right here? Putting all types of stuff into our own house, but the enemy doesn't have a problem with our prosperity individually and economically. As long as he keeps us from investing ourselves in the Lord's house. But if you ever just shake off the apathy, shake off the devil's attack, shake off the bondage of the enemy and say, devil, you're just afraid that if I give myself to the Lord's house, that my children are going to walk in blessing, that my marriage is going to walk in prosperity, that my future. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He said, look, man, you guys doing some stuff for your house. And he said, but this house is lying waste. He says, I'm just asking you to consider your ways. He said, I'm not asking you to condemn yourself or beat yourself up. He said, I'm just asking you to consider your ways. He said, look, you so much, but you bring in little. Uh, come on, you give a lot to your job just to be declared that you're not essential. Come on, you gave that job 30 years, 20 years, and you found out in a pandemic, you're not an essential worker. Oh, wow, I wish you would have told me that. Hey, Amen. When I was working double overtime for you. You sown much and bring in little. Working overtime right now and, and still not bringing in enough. He said, you have not enough. You eat and you have not enough after you bought that Popeye's chicken sandwich, you're still hungry. <laughs> you eat it, wipe them out, I'm still hungry. Come on, somebody. Get that spicy chicken deluxe from Chick-fil-A. Hey, come on, Holy Ghost. I felt a witness in here. 
<laughs> and after you eat that last waffle fry, you're still hungry. Why? He said, you're still hungry and you're, not, you're lacking because you haven't refocused yourself back on the Lord's house. He said, but when you start investing yourself in the house of God again, he said, you may not make a lot, but you'll live on more. Come on, somebody. You may be bringing in little, but you're going to get back much. Why? Because your priorities have shifted back to the house. <laughs> Amen. He said, look, man, you drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, you're not warm. You, you know, you, you, know you, you get your modest apparel. You and Amazon best friends. Amazon show up at your doorstep once or twice a week. Hey, he said, you looking good with those nice clothes. He said, but you're not warm, no. It's not appeasing you the way you thought it would. Come on. You're buying more retail, still empty. Why? Because you got to get back into the house of God and put everything back in to the house of God. I'm not just saying physically. I'm saying mentally. I'm saying spiritually. I'm saying emotionally. Amen. Woo. Help me, Lord. He said, you earn wages. But he said, right after you make that check, he said, I already designed a bag of holes in that bag. You made more than all of a sudden got a doctor's bill out of nowhere. Come on, somebody. Made more. All of a sudden, your water bill went crazy. Hold on, what's going on here? Your electricity doubled. Hold on, what's going on? And they, they got the audacity to say, well, it is summer in Florida. Come on, somebody. Making more, but it's like the more you make, more stuff comes up to pay. And the prophet just says, you want to know the answer? He said, you got to start giving yourself to the Lord's house. Ooh, it's simple, isn't it? It's simple, but now you see the attack. You Now you see the attack. The attack was to discourage the people from giving themselves to the Lord's house for 16 years and get focused on themselves individually while the kingdom of hell would progress. Come on, somebody. While the kingdom of God is just waiting on a government official then to tell us to pray. And Now, that's interesting to me. Huh? It's amazing to me that people huh, would have the audacity. I'm thinking about this because this is the house of the Lord. Huh? Think about you going in your house, going sit there. Huh? I want you to think about a stranger coming into your house, huh? coming to sit on your sofa huh? and tell you, hey, huh? you can't touch this table, okay? Huh? You can't sleep in this room. Huh? You can't, you know, huh? hold on one second. You did didn't pay for this house. And the Bible says that the Lord purchased the church with his own blood. How does God feel when you got people that don't even believe in him trying to dictate to you how you ought to worship and try to tell you not to sing? The devil is a liar. I'm about to lift up my voice and let the enemy know that this ain't your house. This is the Lord's house. I 
wish somebody would clap their hands and let the devil know you still have a hand clap of praise, that you still have a voice. Hey. Y'all go, oh. The, the enemy will convince you that the church is the only way to be, only place to be fearful. Please go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's, go to Walmart. There is an X on the door that says no virus allowed. So you can't get the virus from those places. But at church, oh man, at church you might get the virus. And they tried to say, hey, don't sing. It spreads the virus. And there were people who were like, well, I don't have to sing. Really? So you're going to let the world dictate your worship. They didn't pay a price for my song. Come on, somebody. They didn't go through the hell that I went through for this song. You better get some righteous indignation huh, that I am what I am huh, because I gave myself to the Lord's house huh, and no devil's going to take away my investment. Oh, I feel like preaching. Amen. Amen. The governor of California said, hey, uh, you know, no, no, no singing. Uh, you know, <laughs> No, 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 wow, that's the, oh, that's the, that, that's the thing, that's the, the, the oh, help me, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm going to get in it now, praise God. Uh, they're going to try to dictate to the Father's house that they, they don't even believe in God, and they want to dictate to us how we worship God, because they know that something happens when we invest ourselves in the Lord's house. It was an atheist philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche, that said music, listen, is the last breath of culture. Meaning if you can take, and this is who Hitler followed. He said if you can take a culture song away, you can take the culture away. Come on, somebody. See, it starts with the song. It ends with the culture. God paid a price for this apostolic culture. He paid a price, and it's biblical to clap your hands to the Lord. It's biblical to lift up your voice and sing. It's biblical to shout with the voice of triumph. It's biblical to dance before the Lord. Uh, amen. He said, he said, look, there's a bag of holes in it. You're making money, but nothing's happening, is it? He said, just consider your ways. Look, he's not even mad at them. He's not even beating them up. So he said, I'm just asking you to consider. He says, consider the path that you're on. Is this the path to blessing or is this the path to barrenness? He says, go up to the mountain, bring wood. Build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. He said, you looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, he said, I did blow upon it. Is that not the Bible? God said, oh, you think the devil's blowing on it? God's like, no, I'm blowing on it. I'm blowing on your investment until you get your priorities back. 
Are you, are you getting it? I, I'm blowing on it that it comes to nothing until you consider and bring your mind back to the kingdom. I'm not talking about our bodies. I'm talking about while you're on the pew. Some of you still thinking about the latest news headline. Huh? You still checking up the updates. Come on. Huh? You're thinking about the political thing that's going on in the world. Huh? I know you're here physically, huh? but God says, I want your mind. Huh? I want your heart. Huh? I want your body. Huh? I want your spirit. I want every part of you. Amen. He says, I blew on it. Why? He said, because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. That means there's a spirit of fear. You see, what fear does is it drives you back into isolation. Come on, Holy Ghost. It drives you back into individuality where you're not thinking about the kingdom, the church, the brother and sister. You run to your own house because I just got to make it. Mm. And what the text is saying is that you're cutting off a blessing that God wants to put on you. When you neglect, come on, Holy Ghost, your investment, your full selves into the house of God. I'm saying your full selves because there's some people that show up and they say, but Jackson, really, I'm showing up so nobody thinks I'm backslid. Y'all going to throw me out of here this morning. <laughs> I, I, don't, I really don't want to be here, but, you know, I showed up because I don't want a text message asking where I'm at. And God's like, hey, now, now that isn't sufficient. I don't want just your body in the temple. I want your mind. I want your heart. I want this to, in you, in him I live. In him I move. In him I have my being. Come on. I want your entire being. I want your undivided attention. I want every iota of your being. Because the answer's in the house. Uh, Brother Jackson, I'm trying to get delivered from fear. Well, there is peace in the house. Uh, Brother Jackson, I'm trying to get delivered from depression. Well, uh, there is liberty in the house. Uh, Brother Jackson, I'm waiting for another raise. Well, uh, you start getting more and putting more into his house, uh, and there will be a raise that comes. He says, the answer's very simple. Uh, if you want to turn around, you just need to turn yourself back around and put everything back into his house. I feel like I'm preaching to somebody. It's simple, but it can change the world. It's simple, but it can make a difference. It's simple, but the devil's afraid of it. Amen. Somebody said, you know, Brother Jackson, the church isn't a building. Oh, Lord. Ooh, I feel my help coming on. But the Jackson, the church isn't a building. Oh, man, there's been, there's been some sinners that have loved that motto. Yeah, that's why I stay home. Because the church isn't a building. See, I'm on my lazy boy. Look, hey. Huh. I told somebody, I said, okay, the church isn't a building. They're like, right? I said, okay, someone needs to tell sinners that. 
Because when they get mad at someone in the church, they never show back up to the building. They don't mind talking to you in Walmart. They don't mind talking to you at Home Depot. They don't mind talking to you at the job. But they just won't show up back to the building. That lets me know there is a spiritual significance when we gather together. It may not be a building, but it's where we're gathered. And when the chosen gather, there is something special where the chosen gather. Amen. Amen. There is something special when the church gathers. Now, it's one thing if you said the church is in the building. Now, it's one thing if you went home, well, listen, and at your home, you just allowed 800 people to show up at your house. Then it'd be like, okay, the church is in the building. That means we gather anywhere. But that doesn't mean don't gather gather. Come on, Holy Ghost. There is something special when we gather together. It seems like something is broken and, and hell whenever we gather together. And the, and the enemy understands I'm going to do whatever I can to, to resist people from coming. Because if I resist them from coming, then they won't be transformed. Come on, somebody. If I resist them from gathering where the chosen are gathered, that's what I said in the first service. I said, shout out to the media team because I said the media team has been the heroes of the hour because uh, they've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, still devoting themselves to the house of God. See, they're not the only ones that should have been devoting. Come on, somebody. Every one of us uh, had to find our own place uh, to devote to the house of God. Even when we don't gather, we're still finding a way to pour our whole selves in. David said in Psalm 27, 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Paul said, I can sum up my life in this thing. There's only one thing I desired of the Lord, and that's not a healing, that's not deliverance, that's not a miracle. I have one desire, and that's what I'm seeking after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord. Come on, you can see a side of the Lord alone, but there's something beautiful when you see every nation, every kindred, every tongue gathered together under the house of God and you get to see his beauty. Amen. Out of fear, they ran everyone into their own house. Job, Job's final test was his health. Oh, God. Oh, his final test was his health. God wanted to see how, his, how he responded when his health was threatened. He took his money. Come on, Holy Ghost. Took his family. And Job worshipped. But the Satan said, skin for skin. All that a man has will he give for his life. You touch his body. He 
He'll curse you to your face. The final test was how Job responded when his health was in jeopardy. I feel like preaching to somebody here. And Job's body was afflicted with boils. He didn't know if he was about to die. But he got down and sat down in the ashes, picked up a potsherd, began to scrape himself. And while his health was waning, blessed be the name of the Lord. I know this is the right time for me to keep my mouth shut and go hide. Come on, somebody. And curse God, but in the middle of my affliction, in the middle of the threats, in the middle of what's happening, I will not compromise my devotion to him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The devil doesn't know what to do with somebody after they share everything that's wrong with the coronavirus and you still, even in your kitchen, lifting up your hands to God and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even in the middle of your living room, when the church building was closed, you were dancing, saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. The devil doesn't know what to do with somebody that just keeps blessing while the world is in chaos oh somebody clap your hands and bless the Lord oh the answer is in the house the house is the answer that's how we're going to get out of this it's a renewed devotion am I helping anybody wave a hand if I'm helping somebody it's a renewed devotion it's a renewed commitment it's it's not just physical it's mental it's spiritual there is a care in you for the house how's the house doing come on son. have you asked that question over the last six months? how's the church doing what can I do can I come and pull some weeds I know nobody's there I just want to pull some weeds because I'm just afraid huh, that the house might be neglected. Come on somebody. Huh? I just want to show up to the prayer room by myself huh, just to start anointing everything with oil huh, just so nobody gets sick in this church. Come on somebody. I'll show up at midnight huh, and come pace around the pews huh, and begin to pray over families because huh, I am Hey! Hey man. Amen. We see a dilemma in 2 Kings chapter 4. Oh, my Lord. I, I think I got my second win. Praise God. Y'all in trouble now. Amen. You know, when you get your second win, yeah, that means it's longer. You know, it's, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Amen. We're good. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1. Now there cried a woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant servant did fear the Lord and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen and Elisha said unto her what shall I do for thee tell me what hast thou in the house and she said thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil the prophet said I'm looking to do a miracle but it's going to come out of the house what people do not realize in 
this text is one of the most important people in this text, which wasn't the widow, which wasn't the prophet. I'm going to preach right now. And it wasn't the bondman. The most important person in this text was her husband that died because her husband that died was a son of the prophet. And every son of the prophet everywhere they went, they carried oil with them. They never left oil home. But before this prophet died, he wanted to leave behind what was most important to him. He said, I'm not leaving behind no furniture. I'm not leaving behind a pretty heirloom. I'm leaving behind what's most valuable to me and that is the oil. And you may not understand it yet, but the world's going to be in trouble. But you have enough oil that is sufficient Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may not understand it just yet. It may not look like much just yet, the elder said. He said, I'm not leaving you behind some fancy technology. I'm not leaving you behind nothing that's cutting edge. I'm going to leave behind what's most important to me, and that is the oil. And you don't understand it yet, but there's going to be some adversity that hits your life, and it's going to try to steal the next generation. But just remember, what I left behind. You have enough oil to meet the need of the hour. You have enough oil to meet the adversity. The, the elder said, I didn't leave behind anything fancy. I just left some oil. And the oil is sufficient for the adversity of the future. Ooh. You see, you're looking for a different answer to answer the adversity going on in the world. He said, the answer's the same. I don't care how, how hard the creditor's knocking. It's still the oil. See, the creditor's going to try to tell you you need to approach it differently. But the answer is still the oil. It's still the oil. Whenever the coronavirus hit Italy, a bottle of sanitizer that you put on your keys was being sold for 40 euros. The value of sanitizer increased when adversity hit. Uh, help me, Lord. It's been that same oil that's been in this house. You may not have thought it was valuable, but when adversity hits, the oil's value increases. You may not feel like you have a little anointing, but just a little drop of oil can release miracles in your house. It can release healing in your family. Come on, somebody. And the world is looking for somebody that has the oil. If you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, you have all the oil you need to overcome the trauma, overcome the pain. And the, the answer's in the house. It's, it's just in the house. It's in the house. It's the oil. But you know what she did? She was around the oil so long, she said, it's just a pot of oil. She'd been around the house so much, the oil began to collect dust. Because even miracles become common when you see them all the time. 
Uh-oh. Is this the part where I dig? Praise God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it, it becomes common when people receive the Holy Ghost all the time, when people get baptized all the time. Not even something to really rejoice about. It's just what we do. It's just a pot of oil. She was around the oil of the elders so long that it became just a pot of oil. And so when the world was in trouble, she started looking for a different answer. But the answer still stood the same. And the answer is in the house. And the answer is in the oil. And you don't have to change your answer to the world when it comes with all types of stuff on your door. You just answered the door with the oil. Come on, somebody. Hey. Okay. Hey, 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 man, I remember, I remember whenever, before I got to come into this marvelous truth at 19 years old, I remember whenever I was growing up, I was the only one in my family that went to church. I told you my story, how I was raised in an abusive home. I was raised in all types of uh, emotional, physical, mental uh, abuse, physical abuse uh, all the time for the first 19 years of my life. I told you that story, uh, but uh, there was a hunger in me for God. Uh, and I was going, I didn't know the truth, so I was going to different denominations. I was going to their services, and I remember going to a service my sophomore year of high school, hungry, broken, beaten, battered, bruised, and I showed up to that service, and they sang for 15 minutes. After they sang for 15 minutes, the preacher got up and preached for 15 minutes. After the preacher got up and preached for 15 minutes, they sang another song for five minutes, and after they sang another song for five minutes as they were singing something I was so hungry for God didn't feel anything there they didn't have altar calls nobody went up to go and pray but I was so hungry for God I went up to the front lifted up my hands cried out to God I was weeping uncontrollably by the power of God three ministers from that denomination came and took me they brought me to a back room and they said what is the matter with you are you okay is everything all right? I said, yes. I just feel the presence of God. And they were awestruck that someone in their church service of over a thousand people felt the presence of God. What am I saying? That when I was in the world, I was just hungry for a drop of oil. And all those denominations are just hungry for a drop of oil. But we have oil to swim in. We have oil to swim in. Come on. We have oil to swim in. We have oil to I didn't. I never knew what it felt like for a pastor to get up and say, I feel the Lord speaking to me. I was like, the Lord's real? No one in those denominations ever talked about God speaking to them. But then I got baptized in Jesus' name. I got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And I realized that the oil is still talking and that the word is still true. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. 
We have the oil to meet the need of a broken world. Can I tell you, that's why the Levite on the road of the Jericho Road, the Levite passed out the man that was half dead. He passed him up, the Levite did. And then the priest did, but the good Samaritan didn't. You know why? The Bible says the good Samaritan came where he was and poured oil in them. The Levite wasn't carrying oil so he didn't even have anything to meet the need. Y'all better hear me preach. The priest wasn't carrying oil. He didn't have what it took to meet the need but it was a stranger that was carrying oil to his workplace, carrying oil to his school that could meet the need of a lost and dying generation. Oh God. It's in the house. It's in the house. It's in the house. It's not just a pot of oil. It's the answer that the world's looking for. And we need to start walking more confidently with this oil. Come on, somebody. No legislation can do it. Only the oil can. Come on. No law can do it. Only the oil can. I got to preach to somebody here. Oh, Jesus. Oh, only the oil. 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 I feel like preaching to somebody. Oh, God. God had me on a silence. And I, I, this morning service, I went on a route I didn't plan to go. This service, I'm going on a route I didn't plan to go. But I'm following the Holy Ghost. This is about to encourage and help somebody. L let me share this with you. Oh, help me, Lord. I, I was on a silence. God had me on a silence from December. He said, Victor, in December, this past December, he said, Victor, you're not going, I don't want you to release any of your books. I don't want you to create a podcast. I don't want you to make a video of yourself, an inspirational video uh, to help people. I don't want you to do any of that uh, for a while. I don't want you to do nothing. So that was in December. And so in December, I just started listening, wasn't putting videos, no podcast, wasn't releasing uh, any of my books. I was just, you know, listening to God. And, and then March hit and COVID happened, and the only way to get a word out there was through a video, <laughs> through a book, through a podcast. Because I was like, uh-uh, you ain't doing nothing. said, if they ask you to come and preach live or do that, you can do it. But you don't initiate anything. I said, okay, Lord. So I'm literally, during this COVID time, I was watching the world fall apart. And I, there was nothing that I could do. And I was just praying and fasting and seeking after God, but I was just on, on a silence thing. But then George Floyd died, and I saw all those riots and uh, all, all these protests, and I saw the tension uh, with police officers and protesters, and I saw the tension of the world and the agenda and the, and the division of our country. And... There's nothing I could do about it. But then I woke up on that Friday, and the Lord spoke to me. said, Victor, I'm releasing you. I said, huh? You sure, Lord? He said, I'm releasing you. It, it, it had been six months. And so I went into my office, and I was going to preach a message to the world. Put up my little tripod, put the thing in, hit record, preached 25 minutes. When I was done, stopped recording. God said, that ain't it. I said, Lord, I wish you could have told me that before I started. <laughs> Deleted the video. 
waited for a while. I said, you know what? I'll just go do an Instagram live, see how people are doing. I did an Instagram live, started talking. And as I was talking, there were people that wanted me to be more outraged than biblical. So God said, delete that Instagram live. I said, okay. And I just sat down in my house depressed. Sat down in my bed for six hours depressed because there was nothing I could do. And I was just weeping and crying, depressed as I'm watching the world go to shreds. And the Lord said, Victor, go there. Go to Minneapolis. Go to the spot that George Floyd died. And give the people hope. I booked the flight. The closest, the quickest flight that I could get was out of Atlanta because flights have been super minimized during this time. Closest flight I could get, quickest flight to Minneapolis was out of Atlanta at 8.45 in the morning. I booked the flight, asked my pastor, told my pastor my burden. My pastor gave me permission to go. 12.30 in the morning, I drove all the way to Atlanta, got there at about 6.20 in the morning. Boarded my flight at 8.45, flew, got there at 10 a.m., Rented a vehicle. I was burdened. I was so burdened. Rented a vehicle. Went to the spot that George Floyd died. And when I went there, I was expecting to pray with a few police officers, a few protesters, uh, a few people. But when I went to the spot that he died, there were thousands upon thousands of people. I thought they only did it at night, but during the day, thousands upon thousands of people. Uh, there weren't any uh, preachers in the streets. There were churches that were giving food uh, that were in the surrounding territory. There was a Billy Graham van uh, that was helping clean up the city. But no one was talking. The only people talking were some, uh, every now and again, a social activist would uh, be nearby. But I went to the spot George Floyd died, thousands of people. And I told him, I said, it felt something. The only way I could describe it is that they were waiting for me. Because they were a sheep having no shepherd, literally walking in circles, looking at all the flowers. Looking, it was like sheep having no shepherd. And I went in the middle of that. Oh, Jesus. And I said, can I have your attention, please? Everybody turn to me. Hundreds upon hundreds. There were thousands there, but there were hundreds upon hundreds that could hear my voice and begin to turn. I said, we're going to have prayer in this place. I said, there's still hope in this city. God is going to do something in the middle of all this. God is the answer to reconciliation. I begin to tell them that God is going to bring unity, that we're going to get along together. I begin to tell them what God was going to do. I said, gather in. They all gathered in around me. You know what they could feel they can smell somebody here had the oil huh? there's nothing different between me and you you have exactly what I have I just went there to share it I walked in the middle of that they all joined hands they I said everybody lift up your hands they begin to lift up their hands and begin to tremble under the power of God as I prayed for him as I prayed for him there were atheists there they began to weep under the power of God I gave them local church information I told them about the 
United Pentecostal Church. I shared with them the gospel. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They began, there was not an ounce of resistance that I met. Denominational pastors were coming up to me saying, thank you for coming. Hallelujah. There was a guy there that I wanted to record it for me. His name was Peter. He was a stranger. It was my first time meeting. I said, Peter, can you hold this phone? I'm about to pray over these people right now. Peter recorded the whole thing. That video has been seen over four million times. And as people watch the video, I got private messages. They said, my grandma, she's 85 years old. He said, she's been an atheist her whole life. She said she watched that video of you praying in the spot that George Floyd died. They said she lifted up her hands, got on her knees, and began to shake under the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Uh, I shared the UPCI.org website whenever I went there. And when I shared that website, what happened was there were people that went type in the website and around the country. They typed in the UPCI.org. They found a local church in their city. They went to church that Pentecost Sunday and received the gift of the Holy Ghost and was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach to somebody, right? What is the answer? It's still in the house and it's still in the oil that's in the house. Oh Lord. Hallelujah. There was one woman that typed in the UPCI.org. The closest church that she could find was out of state. She got in her car early Sunday morning and she drove out of state. And when she got to that church out of state, she received the gift of the Holy Ghost and was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to change the world? You want to change the culture? This is, we got it. We got the answer. We got the only answer that can change human heart. Eddie James, a famous gospel artist, he saw the video. He shared the video. He said, I thank God for the United Pentecostal Church. And he said, and I thank God for Victor Jackson. They said, this man, he said, this man is the first man to go out in the middle of the riots to share the love of God in the middle of it. They said, someone tell Victor Jackson that he's my hero. He said, I'm going out in the streets this week to follow his example. That charismatic pastors, famous charismatic pastors all across the nation sending me private messages saying I thank God for the United Pentecostal Church for leading the charge in this hour. What is leading the charge? It's the oil. It's the oil. It's the oil. It's the oil. It is the oil. Somebody clap your hands if you're thankful for the oil. Somebody shout unto God if you're thankful for the oil. Somebody lift up your voice if you're thankful for the oil. 
It's the only thing that can change hearts. It's the only thing that can change lives. It's the only thing that can turn the tide of civilization. The only thing that can save America is an apostolic revival. The only thing that can change America is an apostolic revival. The only thing that can get America off the path that it's headed is when we rise up and say we got the oil and now it's time to pour that oil into a broken world. There was a man that was raised in an apostolic church, raised in the truth, born again of the water and of the spirit. He left truth. He, he's now a famous NBA basketball player. He plays for the Charlotte Hornets, making millions of dollars. If I was to call his name, you would know it. He's making millions of dollars. He was raised in church, left after he went to college. This man, they sent him, this man a clip of me preaching about sacrifice and giving things up. He, he watched that DVD. His mom is still in the church. His mom showed him that DVD of me preaching about sacrifice. All of a sudden, they said that boy called his mom with tears down his eyes. NBA player currently right now. He called his mom with tears down his eyes. He said, Mom, I know I'm not going to play basketball forever. I got a call of God on my life, and I'm going to preach this gospel. You better hear me right now. What is the answer? It's just the oil, and the oil's in this house right now and this oil is here and this oil is in your life and this oil is in your spirit it's time to value what we oh god we have the oil that's sufficient to take care of depression to take care of the tensions in society they're just looking for somebody to start believing in it and valuing it. Ah, take this whole world, but give me Jesus and give me my oil. Just give me my oil. Just give me my oil. Just give me my oil. It's the answer. Azusa Street. Azusa Street Revival. When the oil flowed there, when the oil of Pentecost floated the Azusa Street Revival, you know what happened? It was integrated. They were having integrated worship in 1906. Everyone was afraid that the world was ending because there was an earthquake in California. In 1906, can I tell you, when the oil fell, every nation and every kindred came came together worshiping God in the same building. Listen, huh? more than 50 years before integration was accepted, huh? the oil moved before the law moved. I feel like preaching right now. Huh? Women were in high leadership authorities huh? more than a decade before women were even allowed to vote. Why? Huh? Because the oil was moving long before the law moved. Huh? I'm just trying to tell you, huh? we have the answer to the brokenness of this world. I'm just trying to tell you that the answer is in this house. I'm just trying to tell you that the answer is in this place. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you start crying out for the oil, when you start valuing it, when I came into church and I saw, I felt the power of God 
Oh, Jesus. I said, this is what I've been looking for. A church that has enough power to transform my life. You may think because you've been around it, it's just, it's just, it's not enough. But the prophet said, this is exactly what I'm looking for. It's time to invest in the oil. Because it can change a broken world. It changed my broken world. It wasn't a debate. It wasn't a, an opinion. It was just the oil that came into my life. And when I came into the house, somebody shared the oil with me. And it still overruns in my life because it's the oil. We all need a new answer. Don't let the world, don't let the creditor convince you that there's another answer to the chaos in this hour. The answer's in the house, and the answer is in the oil. I want you to grab your family member. I want you to grab the person's hand next to you right now. And I want you to make a commitment that I'm going to invest myself afresh into the house of God. And I'm going to invest myself afresh into my relationship with God that the oil may flow. Come on, can you close your eyes? And can you open up your mouth? And can you cry out for the oil? Come on, cry out for the oil. There's nothing special about Victor Jackson. There's nothing special about me. You have the same oil that I have. It's time to value it. Come on, come out and cry out for the oil. I feel something moving here. Hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.